0: What's up, everybody? My name is Daniel Unmanageable, and this is Hard Knox Talks. Tonight's show is brought to you in part by Prairie Sky Recovery Centre, the Elizabeth Fry Society of Saskatchewan, the Community Addictions Peer Support Association, Stronger Together Canada peer-led support groups by Mom Stop the Harm, the Canadian Research Initiative in Substance Misuse, Quebec Atlantic Node, and Carter's Counseling. Tonight's guest, Person in Recovery, Tamara from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, is here to share her incredible story with us and... We are going to meet her right after this. Boy, that was weird. I spent 23 years living in addiction. 16 of those years, I worked as a Red Seal tradesperson in Saskatchewan and Northern Alberta. During that time, I made many mistakes and took more than a few hard knocks. I went from tradesman to business owner to hiding from gang members and dumpster diving. But with that lived experience, I've decided to try and make a change. I've dedicated my life to raising awareness and promoting change in the fields of substance use and psychological health and safety. So join me and my guests as we take off the blinders around mental health in our communities and at work and shine a light on what's working and what's not working in the fields of mental health and occupational health and safety. I'm Daniel Unmanageable, and I'll be your host, and this is Hard Knocks Talks. Okay. Let's bring in Tamara again. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was crazy. Um, How are you? Was that stressful for you?
1: That was stressful, yes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting because I said, I said just before the show, I'm like, you know, I've never had the stream go down before. Like, I've always managed to muddle through. And then I, then I'm like, knock on wood. And then that happened for the first time ever. So, Yeah. (laughs) so is there uh, anything yeah is there anything you'd like to say before we get started tonight
1: Uh, I just want to thank you for having me on the show and I just want to be just want to say I'm grateful to be here and grateful to be able to share my story
0: all right okay well let's do it again All right. So, tell us about what it was like (laughs) growing up.
1: All right. So, uh, growing up, I remember always having a really good childhood. Um, I loved school. I always got good grades. I had a really good relationship with my mom. Um, I guess all the way up until I was about seven Mm -hmm. it was an awesome childhood
0: Mm -hmm. your your Um, parents lived apart though right your mom and your dad
1: so my mom and my dad were never like i don't think they were together like at all while i was a kid Mm -hmm. i think they broke up really early on Mm -hmm. like when i was a baby i think yeah um i don't ever remember my parents being together so
0: So, what happened at 7 then?
1: So, um, my dad decided that he was going to not be a part of my life anymore and just abandoned me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, it was like a Father's Day weekend and he had called and said, asked me to get all my stuff ready and told me, asked me if I was ready to go for the weekend. And... um, I just waited for him and waited for him and he just didn't show up. He just didn't come get me and I didn't see him again for probably about 11
0: years. Mm-hmm. How did that affect your uh, how did that affect your life and the way you thought about yourself?
1: It affected my life a lot. So like a lot. It was pretty much the main reason and my whole reason for using, pretty much in in my later years, um, I it made me always seek for attention, always looking to not be rejected. It affected me greatly, like hugely. It was a very big factor in what what made me into the what I was.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how old were you the first time you got loaded? What was there? Was there drinking at home? Um,
1: so, so I don't remember as a small child, uh, drinking, being involved in the, in, in the house. Um, I guess until my, I think it was about seven or eight when my mom got married to her one husband. And that is when drinking was in the house quite a, quite a lot. Um, there was a lot of drinking in the house. At, at actually, around that time, but mm-hmm. I was about eleven when I when I got high for the first time, like when I smoked a joint for the very first time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And how was it? How was it?
1: I. So I. I want to say that I sort of liked it, but I didn't really like the way that it made me feel. Uh. Yeah. i <laughs> I remember laughing a lot. I remember finding it funny at first, and then the paranoia—sorry, par- paranoia started <laughs> to kick in, <laughs> Yeah. and I started to not like it very much. But um, um,
0: was there any drinking. Like, was there any abuse in sorry, the home God. around this time?
1: So, with my stepdad, he was a very abusive person. Uh, towards my mom and to my brother. Um, he was really emotionally and mentally and physically abusive, abusive to both of them. Um, mentally and emotionally for me too. He never put his hands on me actually ever, but he. I remember him fighting with my brother a lot, fighting with my mom a lot. I remember it being really emotionally traumatic for my mom during that time Mm
0: -hmm. so after you uh, started smoking weed were you like were you all in after that or or it was
1: more so it was more uh, that brought me into drinking more like uh, opened me up to to doing that kind of stuff and it was more or less like when I started drinking that I really liked it
0: how old were you when you I started I really like the that?
1: attention. What's that?
0: How old were you when you started drinking?
1: I'm going to say in and around 12 and 13, mm-hmm. in and around that age. I remember we were living out at a lake, and I would met this girl out there, and uh, I used to go and stay at her house as much as I could so that we could drink because she was only there during the summertime Mm -hmm. and I would go in over there and she would be there a lot by herself which Mm -hmm. I thought was kind of kind of cool at that age right because most people's parents are always around at that age but uh, Mm -hmm. her stepdad wasn't at their cabin very often and I used to try to stay there as much as I could just so that we could party all the time. Mm -hmm.
0: So you started self-harming at a young age, too, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did. I started self-harming probably, I think I was probably about 13. I, yeah. I'd become pretty depressed around that time, so Yeah. I just couldn't really understand why my dad didn't want anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. And it was really emotionally traumatic for me, and I felt like hurting myself in that type of way Mm -hmm. uh, made the emotional pain less so I would cut myself a lot yeah
0: yeah well you and your stepdad tried to to like run you over at some point didn't he
1: yeah so uh, this was after my brother had moved away because he was really sick and tired of him Mm -hmm. and uh, him and my mom were fighting and I always knew when I would hear them fighting that I should get ready to to go because my mom would try to get me out of the house so that I wouldn't have to go through any of that stuff so I remember hearing a window smash like our front window getting smashed and then uh my mom coming and telling me to come and get ready to go and uh so i did and then we were walking down the highway and uh i had had my house keys in my backpack and he chased us down the highway in his truck um and at that point i ran into the ditch and he had Tried to run me over in the ditch, and uh, my mom had pulled me out of the way before he actually hit me. So, mm.
0: so how was school? Did you make friends easy.
1: Um. So I thought I was pretty popular in school. Uh, I I liked school. Um. I guess up until till high school. Um that's when I started to get pretty pretty wild I guess you would say but um, I loved art art was my favorite favorite subject in school I loved to draw I it was like an outlet for me
0: so so uh, at what point did you start smoking meth
1: I think I was about 14 or 15 we had moved back to Saskatoon well, I had moved back to the Saskatoon at that time. My mom uh, was in the states, and she was she was living out there at that time. And I was living with a family member in Saskatoon, and i I was, I think it was because I was dating somebody, and he um, he was an addict and a gang member, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I thought that you know the bad boy thing right and I couldn't understand why he um he was choosing drugs over me right I I couldn't see why anybody would do that like I I just didn't understand the pull and so I I tried the drugs just to see what why like what made sense I just tried to make sense out of it right I remember doing
0: that yeah so did you uh what the heck happened there (laughs) did you the glitches continue (laughs) donna's just hanging on by a thread over here she's like i can't take anymore (laughs) so um did you uh did you graduate
1: no i didn't i um I dropped out of school in, I believe it was grade 10.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I
1: just left school.
0: Yeah. So, um, did you use IV drugs at all?
1: Yeah, so, um, when I was in high school, um, I had a little, a small stint of uh, using IV drugs. Mm-hmm. um until i guess my mom caught me using yeah um and then uh later on down the road after i moved back from ontario i got really heavy into using iv drugs yeah
0: so at one point your your mom gave you an ultimatum she said uh stop using or get out what did you do
1: yeah so i think it was because I was at that point becoming really violent with her and like trying to fight her a lot.
0: Um like physically fighting. Uh, she,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was a few times that I remember actually fighting her and like not not getting very far with it, but I mean <laughs> trying to physically fight her. She was pretty and, tough uh, what? Yes, my mom's got her uh her black belt so i don't oh. know why i would even try oh that why would you even <laughs> you must
0: I have been know. using drugs man
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so my mom gave me that ultimatum and she said you know like either you quit using or you get out of my house and i just i think that she thought that i was going to say okay i uh, let's quit let's I'll, i'm gonna quit but i decided to leave instead and uh that's when my addiction got pretty pretty intense with meth mhm i'd say
0: you actually ended up uh, homeless for a while
1: yeah so um for a long time there i was not a long time i guess like i was i was homeless for a while there and uh just living off of people on the streets like that would give me drugs or like a lot of people decided that they were going to take care of me while I was while I was doing that because I was so young right Mm -hmm.
0: but yeah so um your your mom moved to Ontario and then you sorta followed her there a short while after correct
1: yeah so she um she moved to Ontario to take a good job out -hmm. there like um and i just i was at that point i was about 18 and i was just thinking you know like i'm kind of sick of this life you know Mm -hmm. maybe i should move out there too and i had a friend that lived in london ontario at that time so i moved out there with her and uh i was actually sober for quite a while out there yeah
0: so how did you uh how did you stay sober while you were out there? What did you do?
1: Um, so I think it's just because I didn't know anybody out there mm-hmm. that I just didn't take it upon myself to uh seek out the drugs in the same way that I would have that I did when I was in Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. Um I worked a lot while I was out there. I worked at a bar.
0: And stayed sober working and- in a bar.
1: For a little while, for a little <laughs> while, I mean, I feel like the bar scene um, and drugs—they go hand in hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like
0: so, so. How did you? How did you get back into it then?
1: So um, I started dating somebody out there uh, that uh, he also worked at the bar, um, and uh, he was doing uh, oxycotton and i didn't know what that was like i didn't i didn't really re- think that it was an addictive drug like uh, to me in my mind uh crystal meth was like a drug that you would get addicted to because it was it was just like a chemical right so i thought i was kind of naive at that time and i didn't think that I didn't even know what Oxy's were like I didn't know that it was an opiate I didn't know that you could get addicted to it like that and uh, so I started I did that with him because he was doing it right so and I mean at addicts they like when they're around stuff like that they naturally want to try to do the stuff that other people are doing right Mm -hmm. for me it was like a a form of fitting in it's a way of being, it was a way of me being accepted, right? Yeah.
0: So, so, um, then there was a, a death back in Saskatoon. And you can.
1: Yeah. Out. So, um, so when I was in jail, um, a boyfriend of mine was murdered while I was in jail. Um, yeah, that was a really traumatic time in my life. Like,
0: so I was I, I was talking what? about the death of your mother's husband.
1: Oh, sorry, about we're not that. there yet. No, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, 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 Okay, so well, that's okay. I was confused for a second there. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so I came back for a little while because uh, my mom. When she was married to a man, and uh, they got into a car accident, and uh, he passed away during that car accident, and I came back to help, to like be there as a support for my mom because it was a really traumatic time for her. Like she was the one who found him outside of the car and like sat there with him while until the ambulance came right and like it was just really traumatic for her so i just i thought that it would be best if i came in and spent some time with her and, and was there for her
0: mm-hmm. and you uh you brought some some stuff home with you some pills home with you unwittingly thinking that a few would be enough
1: yes yeah. so um yeah, so I brought like I brought some drugs with me because at that point I was already addicted to them and um I needed needed to have them and uh yeah, I brought them with me and I did definitely didn't bring up with me. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. Definitely going through withdrawal while I was while I was there trying to be a support there for my mom.
0: <laughs> and like you weren't expecting it, were you?
1: no right like i mean not that intense of withdrawal i mean i because while i was in ontario i never lived without them so i didn't Mm -hmm. really have like the knowledge of withdrawal the way i did when i all of a sudden had run out Mm -hmm. and i couldn't get them anywhere because i didn't know where they were in saskatoon at all yeah
0: yeah, I went through that exact same thing the first time I got dope sick. I didn't see it coming. It was terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, and I mean, oxys, they're just, like, still to this day, I've never felt anything like it. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's an intense pain. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, so then what? I mean, you ended up getting sick in Saskatoon, then what'd you do?
1: Uh, So I went back to Ontario after that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I actually went home early after that because I just, I couldn't handle being sick anymore. And then I just went home and went, and the first thing I did was went and see my dealer.
0: Yeah. So how was the, <laughs> how was the flight home? <laughs> uh,
1: thankfully, uh, you know, like, I mean, I, I say thankfully, but I mean, it's only a five-hour flight so mm-hmm. I mean that flight was pretty horrible I mean it's you can't even sleep when you're going through withdrawal like that and it's
0: trying to act legs? normal around
1: all these people
0: yeah did but you get the I, jumpy legs
1: yes yes oh, I did that's the horrible oh, my God. anxiety oh, God. yeah the anxiety was
0: the worst yeah being there my friend being there yeah so um during this time, I mean, did you have any fun or was it all, was it all about just not getting sick anymore?
1: So I'm going to say that like the overall experience that I had in Ontario was awesome. Like I met, I had lots of really good friends out there. Not a lot of my friends out there even knew that I was using Roxy's. But overall my experience there was good. Other than the fact that I was addicted to OxyContin.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. other than that, it was good. <laughs> yeah, other yeah. than
1: that, it was, it yeah. was
0: awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you—I uh, mean—you ended up like smoking fentanyl patches and shooting morphine, and one day at twenty-five, yeah, so, yeah like you ended up back in Saskatoon, right? Tell us about yeah, that. Why'd you come so, back?
1: So, because. I guess the main reason would be because uh, they discontinued Oxys. Um, they changed them over to the Neo's so where you couldn't tamper with them and yeah. like use them the way that they oh, used to be we used.
0: Tried. We tried.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Did we <laughs> ever? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I moved here back thinking, you know, like I didn't know anybody anymore. Like that, you know, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be around the same people, like, I wouldn't be able to find the drugs, you know, like, so I came home and I uh, I remember telling my mom, like, I remember cry- waking up in the middle of the night and crying to her and telling her that I was going through withdrawal. And then I remember her having to call an ambulance and having to go take me to the hospital. And I remember having to go and like saying finally, you know, like I'm addicted to these things, you know, like I'm addicted to these Oxys. Um, I don't think my mom knew until around that time mm-hmm. that I was addicted to, to Oxys. Yeah. And then I, she took me to the, she took me to treatment after that.
0: Mm-hmm. Did it work?
1: Nope. No, it didn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not even for a little while?
1: So it, it worked for like a few months. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Like, at that point, I was like, okay, so I really wanted to quit. I really, I really wanted to get sober. I thought that I was going to stay sober. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to go to school and get my grade 12. Um, I was talking to my dad at that time. I thought things were going to be great. Um, And then I started going to school and... Yeah. And then I met this girl there at school and she had told me that she did morphine and all this stuff. And I don't know why I would even travel down that road, Mm -hmm. but it was like almost as if like she said that and it was like this ping happened in my brain and I was just like, Oh my God, maybe, maybe I should be friends with this person, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. But during this time, was there anything, like looking back now at this time, is there anything that your family could have said or done to maybe influence you off that path?
1: I don't think so. Yeah. I I just I don't think I was ready at that time. Like I was really in love with that drug. Yeah. Like I don't know how else to put it. Like there were multiple times where I would say to my say out loud to people that like I would rather die of an overdose than die of a natural death. Like I I was like that was my drug like I was about it mm-hmm. and like I didn't want to quit.
0: Did you ever have any thoughts of suicide?
1: <laughs> yes, I did. There was I did actually try to kill myself uh down the road um after i had gotten into using iv and it was like a an everyday thing all day long thing uh i was just in such a state like i just hated my life at that time and like i just hated what i'd become and like i just didn't even want to live anymore and i hung myself um, I hung myself, yeah, and in, in, in a in a laundry room in an apartment.
0: So did it didn't work because here we are.
1: No, uh, thankfully, thankfully, um, my boyfriend at the time had found me and uh, called an ambulance, and I guess he did CPR and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy because. Uh, that was one of the first times I'd seen my dad in a long time was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. They called him and called him to the hospital for that.
0: So what finally did it for you?
1: So jail, (laughs) Hmm. like jail finally did it. I think
0: how'd you end up in there?
1: Uh, I did, um, I did two years in jail. Um, I was on quite a rampage at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been in, I'd been in a high speed chase with the cops, uh, and I got into an accident. And I flee, I fled the scene, and I got caught with drugs on me, and I got uh, eighteen months. that Mm -hmm. and I spent 18 months in jail reflecting on my life and the only people that came to see me were my mom and my grandmother Uh, and every visit that my grandmother came there to see me it was like she got skinnier and skinnier and skinnier every single time and it was just like really heartbreaking for me because I just I lived with my grandmother throughout my whole addiction. Like, pretty much what, after I moved back to Saskatoon, I lived, like, I my safe place was my grandmother's house. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't always there, but if I didn't have somewhere to be, that's where I would go. And watching her deteriorate throughout that time that I was in jail because of this, and I, I felt like I was doing it to her. Like, the stress of me being in there was making her lose weight mm-hmm. like watching that happen it just kind of kicked me in the ass and said like tamara like you need to smarten up like yeah. i didn't want my grandmother to pass and me still be a junkie and still be like wasting life. my life away and not being up to the potential that i could be yeah
0: and you your boyfriend was murdered yeah so
1: yeah so my boyfriend got murdered while I was locked up too and like that was a really traumatic situation for me because like at the same time like he was a very abusive person uh, it was a very abusive relationship, but it was the drugs that made it that way, right? Like, so when he was sober, he was a completely different person than when he was on the drugs because the psychosis would just get to him, right? Like, the psychosis would take him and he would become really violent and stuff like that. And um, and it was really, like, mentally traumatic for me because... because of the abuse right and and then being in jail while that happened um and then uh his murderer was was arrested and i i was in jail i was in the same jail as her and i used to walk past her unit all the time and i would see her and that was like so traumatic for me i remember i was working in the kitchen one time and she was coming out of the front office from a court date and i heard somebody say her name and i just broke down like it was like i just had went into like hyperventilating crying and it was just really difficult watching her there every day seeing her there every day Mm
0: -hmm. but so yeah. was there was all that there a, sorry go ahead
1: no you go you go
0: <laughs> no you go <laughs> <laughs> so, um so was there a pinnacle moment that you thought this is enough I'm gonna stop
1: yeah so I mean when I got out of jail like I I used for about a month and then my boyfriend now got out of jail because we both were doing time at that time and it was just mainly like him wanting to change and then showing me that you know like our lives could be better Mm -hmm. and like to be honest it was methadone that that made me quit like I started taking methadone, like I went on methadone, and like seeing how proud my mom and my grandmother and my whole family were to see that I took that first step Mm -hmm. to do that was like, it was like a huge accomplishment for me. Because like I haven't, I hadn't, and I hadn't felt like my family was proud of me at all in like a very long time. Mm I didn't even think that I even knew who I was anymore, to be honest,
0: so. Okay, we're going to take a quick break.
1: Okay.
0: So, tell us about your first year in recovery.
1: So, my first year in recovery was busy. Uh, it was like I did a lot of working. Um, my mom helped me out by getting me a job with a friend of hers doing uh, renovations. Um, and I spent a lot of my time working just because it felt good, right? Like being like a working member of society was like it just felt so good to be able to do that and like every and I, I the first little while i was living with my my grandmother and every morning she would she would get up with me and wake up with me and like help me make my lunch make me breakfast make sure i had my tea and my just cigarette so before work just so happy you know she was just so proud of me and it was just the like the best thing in the world to see you know like my grandmother she just she, it was like a light was like lit up inside of her when mm-hmm. when she saw me like that and it was just it was just such a great feeling like I just, and every every time that I brought groceries home, she would just be so happy, you know, and then like, and then me and my boyfriend, we got our first place and like, and still my grandmother, every time I see her, she's just like, oh, I'm so proud of you. That's the first thing that comes out of her mouth. It's like, she's so proud of me, you know, like, <laughs> it's just like, it just feels so good. You know, like my first year was just. It was really busy, but a really proud year. Like, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it was just it was good. So, um, tell us a little bit more about. Um, so your your boyfriend works at the same company too. Oh,
1: yeah. So um, we work together. Um, we worked together uh, at DDIY uh, for, like, the first year we were sober, and then he went off to Titan, and now I'm there too, and we're doing uh, drywalling and taping and mudding together and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it's a really, really uh, uh, physically demanding job. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's fun.
0: It's so fun. Is, is, there any, is there ever any... Point where like one of you wants to get high and the other one talks you out of it or like how do you guys support each other in your recovery
1: so you know the, at the beginning there um, I think on my part because the opiates are so so I don't know what the word is I'm looking for there's, there's such a pull with the opiates, right? At the mm-hmm. beginning, it was like, I really did want to get high a lot. I, But he always made me feel like I didn't need that. And he would always just tell me like, I don't need it. And like, we would go out and do something like take the dogs for a walk or like, just, he would just be there emotionally for me and like, help me through that, right? And Now, now it's not so much like that. I mean, like, I don't think either one of us has thought about doing stuff like that. And I don't even know
0: how long, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So do you, uh, so tell us about Uh, some of the ways that you manage your own recovery. Like, um, when, when your thoughts go sideways, I mean, you know, it's not necessarily about craving anymore, right? It's about, it's about keeping your thoughts, um, clean. In a, in a in a in a healthy way uh, what are some things that you do when when you start to squirrel cage
1: so I mean I, I work a lot <laughs> like I I, ha- I do have two jobs and like I mean that that does help keep me sane to be really honest I feel like mm-hmm. I've turned my addiction from drugs to working <laughs> um, <laughs> I,
0: you could I could be guilty of that as well
1: <laughs> yes yeah, I bet yeah. you could I yes. truly bet you could yes um, but my dogs my dogs they're like honestly I don't know what my life would be like without them, to be really honest. Because I don't have kids of my own, and I spend a lot of my time with my dogs and mm-hmm. spend a lot of time out with them, walking them, training them. Um, we spend a lot of, uh, like, I I have a stepdaughter, uh, my boyfriend's kid. Uh, we spend lots of time with her, too. Uh, this year, this winter, we just uh, taught her snowboarding, so... Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time doing that kind of stuff and trying to focus my life on better things than that, than, yeah. than the drugs and try to like take take my life or take my thoughts into better life, I guess. Yeah.
0: yeah. So yeah. can we see your dog? I know you, you've got one in the vicinity there, don't you?
1: Come here, Come here baby. Yeah, I'll grab her one sec. Come here.
0: This is Hazel. Oh, hello, Hazel. <laughs> oh, she's huge. <laughs>
1: she's a big girl, yeah. Yeah. 70 so
0: pounds. you, uh, you mentioned, uh, to me, uh, when we talked last, that you you spend a lot of time training.
1: Yeah. So. so yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, pit bulls are kind of hard-headed. So, I mean, you have to train them a lot. Like, I don't know. I We are, uh, my other dog, we're still working on, like, uh, laying down and rolling over and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I take them out, to, out and do walks and trying to get them to heal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hazel's not a, not that great with it yet, but
0: she's
1: too. It's her birthday today, actually. But
0: Oh, happy birthday, Hazel. Yeah. <laughs> Sue says happy L- birthday.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Loki's catching on to it a little bit faster than her, but mm-hmm. I don't know. She's still really good. She's such a good dog.
0: Um, I feel
1: so like she's like my emotional support animal.
0: I w- that's where I was going to go with that. Do you ever find that your dogs catch on when, uh, when you're feeling feeling squirrely, do you, do you ever notice that they give yeah. you a little extra attention or stuff? Like what does that look like?
1: Yep. Uh, so like anytime I feel like anxious or like I get, I get depressed a lot. I think mm-hmm. that's n- normal with a lot of recovering addicts, to be honest. But uh, yeah. I find that Hazel, she's anytime I feel depressed, she's always curled up behind my legs. like. She's always around me, and like it, I feel like she's presses herself against me to like give me her positive energy. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So we've got some uh, comments coming in here from uh, Hard Knocks talks regular Joe. Joe, it's always good to see you, my friend. Joe says, "Oh my God, what a beauty!" And your story is so powerful, young lady. Keep up the solid recovery. Thank you for the comment, Joe. Thank you. Thanks so much, Joe yeah so um, did you ever go to meetings
1: so like I mean I've been to meetings throughout throughout my whole time being an addict Um, I don't go to them now I mean I would but I like I said I work a lot Mm -hmm. Um, I did go to them though and I I did find that at those times they did help Mm Especially because, like, I didn't know anybody at those times that were sober or like, I, and I because I was so young at that time that I needed that social network. But now that I feel like now that I'm older, I don't really need that social network <laughs> mm-hmm. other than my family. Yeah,
0: right? do you see your family, family a lot
1: family now? Is, yes, I see my family a lot. Yeah. yeah, that and I also see my boyfriend's family a lot. Like, oh, so both sides of. Both my family and his family are both like huge supports for both of us, right? Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, that's really all I have for you tonight. Um, Is there, oh, oh, let me see. Is there any comments here? Well, we've got one from Dave. Dave, thank you for the comment. Dave says, Tamara, you are awesome. I am so, so proud of all of your accomplishments.
1: That's my that's my old boss. <laughs>
0: oh yeah?
1: Hello old boss. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: He's okay. a, he actually did a lot for me during my recovery. Oh
0: yeah.
1: During my first my first year of recovery. He was he was there for me really a lot. Yeah. So
0: Well, I'm glad you're here tonight, Dave. Um, is there anything that you'd like to leave us with tonight? Uh
1: I mean Just anybody who else anybody else out there that is struggling with addiction, just know that there's it's never too late. It's never too late to to make a change and want to do different. Like it doesn't matter how long you've been addicted, you it can always change. You can always get better.
0: Awesome. All right, Tamara. Well, thank you for so much for joining us tonight. We will let you go. Take care, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. There is power in numbers. If you would like to contribute to ending the stigma around emotional pain, please subscribe to our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitch and Instagram like and comment your thoughts on our posts let us come together with our lived and living experience as a resource that has the power to engage new thought processes to promote new ideas to broaden the spectrum of care and to show the world that the lie is dead we can recover and we're here to show you how good night